Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 19, the Indy 500 preview edition, the second of three weeks of Indy 500 coverage here on the GSP. Um, it's Is it Marco's time? We're going to get into that and plenty more because there are 33 drivers and there's 33 stories and there's a whole lot more within that this year at the Indianapolis 500 and a, a 500 unlike any other. I sound like Jim Nance there. Uh, I'm Philip Matthew. I'm with uh, my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's good, man? Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm excited for this weekend. Finally, the Indy 500 is here. And welcoming back for the second of three weeks, and hopefully even more after that, since IndyCar is going to really be uh, taking off in a sense. I mean, they do have a crazy truck series gap in their schedule late, but... Uh, Spencer Neff, who has a new blog out, former, formerly uh, we were co-workers on OpenWheels.com. Uh, he was one of the two main guys with Tanner Watkins, who previously was on the show for the IndyCar preview. Um, Spencer, welcome back. Thank you for having me, Philip. And, um, of course, if anybody wants to check the uh, site out, it's IndyCar1909.com. Uh, just that I'm... Ready, it's Indy 500 weekend. Yeah, IndyCar1909.com, uh, new blog. Uh, you can find uh, Spencer's deal there. You could find, uh, because you're on uh, WordPress, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you can find us as well at the GSP. You could find GSP and unfiltered, uh, philipgmatthew.com. So we'll get a little bit of the shilling out of the way right now at the start of the show. Uh, we'll probably do it later as well at the end. But first things first, going into qualifying, um, which will transition into uh, practice in general, because there was only basically four days of practice for the Indianapolis 500, which is unheard of. Um, you had three days of, of, what is it, maybe two or three days of of running three and a half days of running with uh, with the the current horsepower that they're going to be running, and then maybe a day theoretically with the qualifying uh, boost. So it's insane to have such little amount of practice with some of the changes that have been brought. But in all of this, Marco Andretti, uh, 33 years after his grandfather won the pole in 1987. Marco Andretti won the poll for the Indianapolis 500 by just a, by a few hundredths, really, uh, over a four-lap average, which is one of the great things about Indianapolis, um, which makes it unique compared to any other qualifying uh, session or any other qualifying for any race. Having to put it together across four laps and somehow or another, Marco Andretti held on. There were some guys that were really really struggled there in that fast nine, most notably Alexander Rossi, whose Sunday performances in qualifying in recent years have been nightmarish. Um, unlike a couple of years ago where he went from 10th to the last row Charlie party, he only fell to ninth uh, on uh, Sunday because he made the fast nine. Uh, Graham Rehall, Graham Rehall's um, car had no grip. 
um, that's that's the Graham Rahal drinking word. Anytime he says grip, you have to drink. Um, and he didn't have any. And then you had Alex Pillow, who ran over 240 miles an hour in a turn one and had grip for maybe a lap and then was trying all of his in all of his might to not write his car off. But he somehow or another with a golden set of you know what's um, held on to that thing. Uh, frankly, I mean, Scott Dixon, it looked like Scott Dixon after Saturday had something and he did put up a big time there. But um, I'll throw to you first, Josh. Um, what did you we kind of mentioned it earlier on the GSP earlier this week. Um, we posted that. Um, but what did you take away from qualifying and Marco Andretti putting it on pole for the Indianapolis 500? Well, yeah, just like what we talked about before, um, briefly on Tuesday, I wasn't really, I mean, given the fact that Marco Andretti qualified or practiced well, um, it wasn't really that much of a surprise, but I didn't think like it would actually happen. And I wasn't, wasn't sure that would actually happen. And I thought, oh, Scott Dixon would come away with the pole. But he was able to do it, and um, now, I, which I think is probably very good for the series. Um, it's given them a lot of attention uh, this week, um, especially with the Andretti name leading the field. And it's going to be really exciting, I think. Um, and, but, I mean, as far as like other guys, I mean, I thought there would be more Chevys in the field or in the top nine, but there ended up being only one. Um, but it's not a surprise that it's uh, Ed Carpenter's car in the or his team on the um, – on the uh, fast nine, but it was able, um, you know, the Hondas were able to dominate for most part on that. Um, a little bit shocked that Penske didn't qualify as uh, quite as well, but um, that's how I guess it's going to be for uh, this year's 500. Yeah, absolutely. You you look at what the qualifying was. I didn't think that they were going to be up in the 230s as they were. So the fact that Marco was able to put up 231 average. So was uh, Scott Dixon by 0.017 mile an hour over four laps, which is just nuts um, when you consider it. It's the second fastest field in the history of the Indianapolis 500, which is also crazy, which kind of it, it, it says it speaks to a few things. Um, Spencer, I'll throw to you. Um, in terms of, um, going and, uh, in terms of talking about the speeds and how close things are, uh, you have, you have Marco Andretti who's, uh, shown, going, has shown the speed all week. The Andretti cars have shown speed, but, uh, Josh brought up a great point. I mean, what did you take away from the Fast 9? But in general, um, the Chevys not being able to go and bring pace outside of Renus VK. Well, you know, after watching practice for the first few days, even without the added qualifying boost, I wasn't too surprised to see the Honda so dominant. Um, but it was kind of surprising to see just one Chevrolet up in the top, and I think it was. I don't think there were any within the 
Was the first oh, twelve was only yeah. one one Chevy and it was Renus. Yeah. Thirteen was uh, Joseph Newgarden. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I was trying to because um, I couldn't remember off the top of my no, head. No, you're good. You're good. I, I the only one I remember that is a Chevy after that was Joseph Newgarden. That's it. After that, you you got me. Yeah. Um. And I thought for sure after you know seeing the first couple laps he had on his second and third runs on Saturdays that. Dixon was going to take the pole and kind of just run away with it. Um, but, yeah, I got to give props to Marco, and especially after, you know, seeing at, um, Hunter Ray and Rossi weren't able to, and Hinge weren't able to quite back up what they had posted on Saturday. Um, and hmm, Sato going on the outside of the front row is also impressive. Uh, so, but, you know, we'll have to see, you know, we've got a ward running fastest in practice today. So we'll see if the uh, race speed's there for Chevy and if they can, you know, get through the middle of the pack and compete with the Hondas. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big one. You you talk about Takuma Sato, who's a wild card of all wild cards, a uh, beloved figure, not just in his native Japan, but over here, mainly because the guy is literally, uh, he's a light switch. He's either going to be up front or he's going to put it in the fence. It's part of what made him uh, uh, somebody everyone would talk about in Formula One. He, he finished on the podium in the U.S. Grand Prix. Uh, for BAR years ago, going the other way around Indianapolis, and then 2017 in the Honda Grenade Parade, which uh, Fred Alonso was amongst those who got screwed by that. I think that was a race where Ryan Hunter-Ray and Townsend Bell ran into each other on pit road when they were both running top five. Um, not maybe that may be wrong, but whatever. I think that was it. But you know, other Hondas are blowing up left and right. And somehow or another of all the people that lasted, it was Takuma Sato that somehow or another made it and won that Indianapolis 500, which was absolutely unbelievable when you consider for Japan and for, uh, for all the, for that country. And then also considering Honda, the amount of effort they've put into the IndyCar series over the past, you know, 25 years, years plus you know it's it's something to say but for him to go and put that car on the front row was was surprising to say the least um he's not known Sato's not really known for his qualifying so for him to go and and make something happen there to go and get on the front row is pretty cool I I think that's it's going to be interesting in turn one you know, they probably go and they'll kind of, it's not the kind of starts they used to have back in the day with USAC. It's going to be more of a spread out start, but at least you're, you're going to go and have guys on the front row that are going to kind of push the issue. Um, going over the starting lineup is Marco Andretti with a four lap average of 231.068 miles an hour. Scott Dixon in the middle at 231.051, uh, trying to finally win a second Indianapolis 500. He's one of the greatest IndyCar drivers ever lived. He's only won one Indy 500. 
and that was the first year of the um, when they merged the series again. So it, it's been a very long time. Takuma Sato trying to get that second Indy 500 and go into. I mean, you're already immortal if you win one Indy 500. Ask Eddie Cheever. But you, but if he wins two Indy 500s, it would be unbelievable for him and Ray Hall Letterman. Uh, Renus VK uh, is the highest rookie and highest Chevy by far. Is 230.704. Ryan Hunter Ray in fifth. James Hinchcliffe's and Ryan Hunter Ray's last car at 230, 230.648. Hinch, Alex Pillow, Graham Rehall, and Alexander Rossi, your fast nine. Colton Herta was the fastest of the cars that didn't make the the Sunday qualifying with Marcus Erickson, Spencer Piggott for Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, Buell, Citrone, and insert your name here, racing, um, defending series champion, and really, and the only guy on Penske Racing right now that doesn't have an Indy 500, Joseph Newgarden, Felix Rosenquist, and fastest in practice today in Carb Day practice, Patricio Award in the Spam car, one of the Spam cars. Multi pole winning in Indiana native Ed Carpenter, Zach Veach, Connor Daly, row six, Santucci, Harvey, Oliver Askew in row seven, Winge Power, Antoine Canon, uh, who has a bet to make I don't know how many positions on that start, and uh, Daddy's Money Dalton Kellett in row eight. Simon Pagano, the defending Indy 500 pole sitter and winner of the race, next to Fred Alonso in his last Indianapolis 500, at least for a couple of years, and uh, James Davison, who can join uh, Spencer Piggott in terms of uh, insert name here racing, because I got about 17 owners. Uh, difference is his car is owned by Rick Ware, so it's probably going to run bad. Um Elio Castro-Neves, three-time Indianapolis 500 winner and his worst start ever, uh, starting in row 10, 28th position. Pretty insane. Uh, it's as insane as his hairline. Uh, Jimble Kimball and uh, Max Chilton, who has might have the best helmet on the grid, uh, definitely doesn't have the best speed but that's never been something he's known for. Sage Karam, known uh, sim racer uh, with the Dryer and Reinbold team, and J.R. Hildebrand, uh, who's an interesting character himself, who's most known for fencing it off turn four in his rookie year, trying to pass Jimbo Kimball on the final lap and uh, losing that race to the late Dan Weldon, and Ben Hanley driving for the Dragon Speed team, who basically was a late entry and the fact that they showed up and they were able to make speed in its own right uh was a minor miracle but that's a good team that hopefully with time and with some funding uh may not be shown this on sunday but they'll hopefully be be around here in the cindy car series so i mean we went over qualifying a little bit there with the fast nine and i think it it we have to go into practice. Um, we got to talk about practice 
And fundamentally, I mean, you, you talk about Patricio Ward goes and gets the uh, fastest lap of the day, 225.355, but obviously 500 miles, 200 laps. You have to be able to put long runs together, be able to keep the tires under you, seven, six, seven pit stops during the day. So it's going to be an interesting uh, deal, endurance. I mean, Pato ran 84 laps, wasn't by far the most. Marcus Erickson ran 105, Hinch ran 103, and Ben Hanley ran 104. Uh, he's giving up a mile and a half to the next car, which are the two dry and rainbow cars. So we're we're already kind of seeing some of the cars that might be out tailback, as Rusty would like to say. Uh, Davison's back there. Uh, Chilton's back there as well. Um, interestingly, Mark Wendretti didn't put up a fast lap. He's back there, but I don't think uh, he really was trying to push all that hard. Um, I would say that considering you look at Graham and Spencer uh, being back there as well. Um, I'm going to go to you first, Josh. Uh, you, in terms of takeaways from practice and seeing how the Chevys have kind of struggled uh, so far, but you know you look at the uh, the spam cars who didn't have race or qualifying pace. But the two spam cars have been up there. Fernando Alonso was up there before his wreck as well. Um, and, of course, Penske. You're, you can never count Penske out. And Joseph Newgarden seventh. Um, I mean, wait, I mean, can we really – do we really take a lot from these practice sessions? Even this this practice session today, two hours are 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 we going to see a completely different deal than what we've seen all all this whole week basically in terms of practice for what we're going to see on Sunday in the Indianapolis 500 Yeah, it's interesting you say um I I think you're going to see maybe more Chevys towards the front uh as you know the race gets underway but I think for the most part it's probably going to be like the ratio of Hondas to Chevys, I think it would probably be like somewhere like a, a two to one ratio of Hondas to Chevy, like in probably like the top half of the field, if um, that makes sense. Um, even even with like this past pr- uh, practice today at, on on Carburation Day, even with that, there's like only a handful of Chevys like in the, in the top nine and and. Um, you know, they actually made up more of the um, midfield, uh, to be quite honest. But, um, but I think I think they will improve, um, as, especially if the race uh, has a lot of the uh, green flag runs. But I think for the most part, you're going to see um, more Hondas uh, throughout the you know the top ten and uh, so on and so forth. But be interesting to see how the the Spam McLaren cars do. Uh, in this race, you know, with especially with their two rookie cars, um, is how how they uh, will perform and if um, they can drive their way through the field. And you know, you bring up Alonso as well. Um, ever since he's had that uh, crash uh, in last week in practice, it just seems like he hasn't had the pace for whatever reason, um, and not really sure why. It just seems like it's you know he hasn't had a good 
qualifying pace. I mean, really, Chevy didn't have any, but he seemed to, you know, especially for him, it seemed to be very lacking, and and he just hasn't made a, a lot of noise uh, throughout. I mean, we've only had two practice sessions since qualifying, but you know, even even with that, like you would have expected him to place a little bit higher on the timesheet. Um, so I'm I'm just not sure his car has the pace uh, to do this. Um, to get up front and make a run, but it's going to be something to watch, especially because this may actually end up being his last 500. You, know, you never know what's going to happen in the future. When you consider all, when you consider Jimmy Johnson is is thinking about running all the road courses next year, um, while I do agree with you that it may that I think it's going to be his last Indy 500, I think the notion of Jimmy and and Fernando, they have this like kinship going and they're both in that same stratosphere of legendary drivers and they did their seat swap and all this. I don't I for some reason, I feel like they're going to end up getting together and doing some sort of like mad, like racing world tour. And it's going to involve being an IndyCar tour, too. And that means I mean. Jimmy is going to run it in his, he's giving thought in his forties of running the Indianapolis 500. I mean, it's hard to go and make your debut when you're 18, 19 years old anymore, but when you're in your forties, it's, it's asking a lot, but Hey, it's Jimmy Johnson. And if, if Fernando Alonso wanted to come back and do it too, it's something that seems reasonable, but we'll see. Um, Spencer, I'm going to throw to you in terms of Penske. They're, the guy, the captain owns this racetrack. It, he, the place that he owned, he literally owns now. But his team has not shown what we know Penske for. However, you have that piece, you have the carrot out there for Joseph Newgarden. And unlike his other teammates... Newgarden's kind of been there. He just hasn't had as much in the qualifying, but Newgarden's been there and he knows it's the one thing that guarantees him basically lifetime membership um, It to go and basically put him uh, in that Rick Mears kind of, I'm never going to get canned by Roger Penske. If he goes and wins the Indianapolis 500 on Sunday, it, it's it's over like he'll never he's going to be there for the next 20 years um what what do you take in terms of what do you look at in terms of penske and i think more so um i i i guess look at some of the 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 big three teams but really penske because of the whole chevy deal and also with roger penske now this racetrack and their chances on uh sunday Mm -hmm. I think you kind of hit it right on, you know, they obviously don't have quite the qualifying speed that we're used to seeing from them. Uh, I think it's like the first time since 02 that um, they haven't had a car in the top nine, but that was the year that Elio won his second straight and actually starting from the same spot that um, Joseph Newgarden starting from. Um, and it seems like Elio and Simon Pagino in particular have good cars and race trim. Um, so I think they're going to be charging to the front. Um, 
and kind of have to see from there where everything falls as far as cautions and pit stops and but um yeah so just see how it plays out for them but I think you're right it's um even more so than right now if Joseph were to go out and win on Sunday would pretty much guarantee that he finishes his career with Penske in some form or fashion. And I think, you know, he'll eventually win at least one and probably two or three, but you know, it's kind of just getting yourself in contention and getting that first one first. Yeah, absolutely. He, he showed the, the skill and the ability to do it when he drove for Sarah Fisher and Ed Carpenter I think there was the one year he was the only Honda that made the fast nine when he was driving for Sarah Fisher. And then he finished third one year in this recent time with the DW 12 behind Carlos Munoz. Uh, I think it was 16. I'm, I'm forgetting off the top, but, um, it was like a fuel mileage there. Oh, that, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was 16 because Rossi went and can hear fricking Brian heard a clutch and close clutch and coast. That's the one, the thing you go and say that three times fast. You can't get away with that on regular radio. Um, uh, but you, you look at that and that new garden was really fast that day. Carlos Minos as, um, the great AJ Foyt called him. Uh, he finished second that day, and he had a very fast car that day. I I think of Alex Pillow and the way he looks, and it reminds me a lot of um, what uh, what uh, Carlos Munoz did in his in his appearances at Indianapolis with his no fear attitude, his ability to kind of want to run the high line. Um, when you look at that coin team this year, the best shot, I think, to win this race, if they really have a chance to win this race, would be that 55 car. Uh, I mean, that's, I guess that's what we're going to get into. Um, you know, you, we, but I, I was going to go that I was going to go and go too far there. I was going to go into memories i think before we get into picks and before we talk about like we we're gonna pick the winner we're gonna pick rookie of the year and then i think one kind of like wild card piece like we'll, we'll you got two drivers there and then we'll pick a third driver that's gonna stand out for some reason whether good bad or indifferent uh we'll we'll do that but that'll be at the end I I want to go and talk uh, about some like what are your our favorite memories of the Indianapolis 500. Um, I'll I'll wait and uh, because and I'll throw to the guys here first. Um, Josh, I mean, when when was the, what was the first Indy? I guess the first thing would be what is your first Indy 500 that you remember watching? And what is like one of your favorite or, or a couple of your favorite memories that you have of this 
amazing race and maybe even just for an extra question favorite tradition that exists with the indianapolis 500 so i think the first time that i remember like watching the indy 500 on on television was probably in 2009 i remember um just seeing bits and parts of the race uh that day i remember seeing like danica uh, running pretty high up up there. I mean, she was a name that I knew, and I remember seeing like Helio Castroneves um, running competitively also that day. Um, I think my f- like favorite race that I've seen is probably, I mean, it's it's probably like a, a toss up between uh, the 2014 uh, Indy 500 and the 2017 Indy 500. Um, both of those races were uh, very good races to watch. Uh, and it was kind of in that era of the DW12 where it just had a massive toe on the uh, super speedways and there's um, a lot of passing throughout the field and it just had, you know, the big draft that you could get a lot of runs with. And uh, that was a very exciting uh, product to watch uh, during that uh, period. And I was, you know, just uh, those, those were good races to watch and that was kind of what helped me get like into IndyCar because uh, um, you know most of my life I've been a more of a NASCAR fan but uh, you know with the Indy 500 and the tradition and the history behind it I that, that's something that helped me get into the sport more and and uh, try to uh, pay attention more to it which I, I have in the, the last couple of years and I think for me like um, the, probably the tradition from the race itself that I've liked the most is probably the the milk at the end with uh, the driver getting like to choose what kind of milk uh, he gets to taste at the very end of the race and and it's um, a very uh, unique um, trophy I, or not really trophy but like tradition to have because it, that's like something you say like for the winner gets to drink a, a glass of milk you know it's not normally something you hear from um, any kind of sport when they, whenever they have the, um, celebrate the winner. And I think that's something that makes the Indy 500 very unique. And I mean, there's all, all sorts of traditions that the, this race has. And, and I, I think that's, uh, one of the ones that makes it unique, but I also want to kind of pivot towards the, the television side. And this is a tradition that hasn't been something in many years since, uh, Paul page was a, a broadcaster, but, um, I'm a huge fan of the, the page previews, the page. The teasers Delta that Force. They did. Yes. The Delta the, the Force Delta previews. Forces. Yeah. yeah that's, that was, um, something that I, I saw on YouTube. I saw like one of the Delta Force previews and I just watched all of them. And Delta Force is a, a very good theme. I, I like it a lot. Um, and, and, you know, when I, whenever I like the Indy 500 comes around and, you know, it's time to get pumped for the race. Like I'll just put all the previews from every year that it existed on repeat and just go through that for like an hour. And it's just, um, you know, it's, something to like think about all the tradition and history and and it's just uh something to get you upbeat and ready for the race oh that's yeah that's right in the wheelhouse for me too i mean it's uh, they they uh, champweb.net it's uh, a, uh somebody i work with as well uh they do a lot of great sharing of content and creating content and all but they went and posted and unofficial uh delta force preview which was a mash 
a monster mash of 92 this year in 1992. I was watching that before the show. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. That that song and then hearing Paul Page, I mean, Paul Page can could read the phone book and make it sound like it's dramatic. That's how good um, Paul Page is. I mean, Paul... Uh, Paul Page was somehow or another able to make Dinner with Racers, um, uh, their their um, sim racing deal, uh, be uh, sound legitimate, <laughs> even though they were trying to crash in each other and all the pro drivers were in uh, Skip Barber cars and all that. And they did a Delta Force theme, and I have that saved as well. So I completely agree with that, Josh, in terms of... Delta Force and uh, the pick of 2014 with Ryan Hunter Ray, mainly because I mean it was Ryan Hunter Ray and he's one of my favorite drivers, the number 28, and he beat Elio, which always makes me happy. Um, and they sh- and Becky was in a summer sundress and she looked pretty good for a milf. Um, but that's beside the point. Uh, Spencer, I'll throw to you. Uh, when it comes to, you know, when was the first Indy 500 that you watched either in per- both in person, whatever, and on TV, uh, you go in like favorite memories of the race, favorite tradition, you know, just go and I know you're, this is your, your wheelhouse. So just go <laughs> after. Yeah. Well, definitely. Thanks for the, um, now the Delta Force guys, I have to totally agree with you there. It's a great song. Paul Page is, you know, a legend, and I think even that's kind of understating it. Um, as far as first one I watched on TV that I remember was 1998. I remember my father had gotten me the starting lineup from the Chicago Tribune, and then that kind of became a tradition that my um, – Dad would, you know, every year go and print me a starting grid, and I still have, I think, pretty much all of them. Um, That was a good memory. And then the first one I attended was 2012, and that's probably still my favorite memory, just seeing how exciting all the action was. You know, the DW12 was still introduced, was first introduced, excuse me. Um. And seeing the close racing between Dixon and Sato and Frank Heaty. Um, and even though it wasn't, you know, didn't quite get the uh, thrilling finish I wanted, it's still something that when I went back and watched it about a year or so ago, it was still as thrilling and, in a sense, more thrilling uh, as it was the day that I was at the Speedway for the first time watching the 500. Yeah, I mean, to be able to go to that place, it's to go there. I only, I mean, that's, I mean, to be able to go there for the Indianapolis 500, you got me, you got us beat on that, Spencer. Um, It's unbelievable to that, that place. It's, you, you think about, there's meccas of of any you know for 
people religious, you know, they talk about, you know, going in, in the Vatican or you go to the, the Mecca or you go to all these things or you go to the Taj Mahal or but in terms of sports, you know, people talk about Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium, or you talk about Lambeau or, you know, I guess the old Boston Garden or, or uh, you know, whatever, wherever the Red Wings played or, or, you know, Montreal, when you go up to Montreal, play the Canadiens or, of course, Madison Square Garden before Jim Dolan came and and ruined everything. You know, like there's meccas of 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 sport, but not Indianapolis not only transcends sport. It it's it's 1911. It 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 goes and transcends the world. It went in ebbs and flows of the world. It also went and and dealt with that as well. Indianapolis was was basically in a, in in shambles, and uh, and Tony Holman bought it and brought it up to this, and his family carried it until Roger Penske bought it last December. Yeah, if, if, could you imagine if we didn't have a bunch of morons and all this crap going on, and we could have had this thing in May? it would have been the biggest Indy 500 in the history of Indy 500. Frankly, it's going to be a pretty good Indy 500 anyway. And because it's going to be in August, it's going to be a lot slicker, um, which I think even in May, it would have been a slick. It would have been a difficult race. I think the fact that it's going to be a slick race and you, you have thunderstorm possibilities, so that also could mean – rain shortened kind of deal so you may only be racing halfway so there's a possibility of going and having that you're you you talk about the tradition you talk about the this place has been been around for over a hundred years 110 years it's it's unbelievable and and me personally I've been able to go to Indianapolis once in my life and it was unbelievable. And I was a very young kid back then. And it was for, it was not for IndyCar. It was definitely not for IndyCar because I was going to school. It was May. It was for NASCAR when NASCAR was still a big deal because the race was sold out. Um, That tells you how long back it was for, for that race to be sold out. I got to watch qualifying and, Jeff Bodine's car had a different exhaust pitch note and all that. And I sat in turn one and I always remember that got to go to the museum, took pictures, you know, you sat, I think took pictures of Mormon wasp and other cars that were there. And to, to go into that racetrack, it's different to go to a place like Yankee stadium. It's different. That's what it is in terms of motorsport. You're talking about, the greatest cathedrals of, uh, of not only sport, motorsport, it transcends. Indianapolis transcends. And it, it's, it, it, I mean, Indianapolis means so much and it means so much to all of us on, on here tonight, but not, but just for so many, so many people. And it's why 
Roger Penske wanted to have fans back, couldn't have it because of, you know, whatever stupidity or whatever you want to get into, ignorance. But we're going to have fans again, hopefully, uh, next May. Um, But at least the racing will be there and we're going to have an Indy 500. And that's what matters. And we're going to have the same kind of competition, hopefully have a good race. Um, I think the conditions will be tough, as uh, Tiger Woods would say, but it'll also be a real challenge and it'll bring out the best driver. And that's what, in more Indy 500s than not, uh, usually yeah, that's the case. Um, Spencer brought up 98, and I mean, whatever. I'm, I I can't stand Eddie Cheever, so that was an unfortunate one. Uh, to be the start for me, I'm, I guess I'm way older. Um, I'm going to show my age uh, in that sense. Um, but the first memories I have of watching the Indy 500 were in 1993 uh, when um, Nigel Mansell uh, made his debut. And I was a Newman. I was a Newman Haas mark because of Michael Andretti. And he had went to Formula One at that point. And New, and uh, Nigel Mansell was up there and doing pretty good, and he was a Formula One World Champion. I remember that race and um, watched portions of it, and then I watched it again, and I'm like, it's so unbelievable thinking about what the race was back all those years ago relative to what it is now. It was an endurance test back in those days, and you had USAC who didn't know what the hell they were doing. They couldn't have, they couldn't have screwed a light bulb in with instructions and you're, you have their restart rules and all these kind of other things to what we have now and where it's basically a 500 mile sprint. And it's just unbelievable to think, you know, you had Emerson Fittipaldi going and going rogue and drinking a glass of orange juice. Cause he's a freaking orange grove. Um, farmer crap. Like he owns an orange grove, and he couldn't deal with drinking milk. Like he's like eighty-five year. He was like eighty-five back then. He couldn't drink milk. Like shut up. But that's beside the point. Like how how you don't drink milk? That's I mean whatever. I mean he almost he tried to kill himself at least two or three times since then, and he's still here. So God bless him. But that the, to go and break the tradition, like the milk tradition, like you brought up, Josh. Don't mess with it. I, I give credit to the guys that that are like, I want buttermilk, and they won't even let them do that. And it's like James Hinchcliffe wants buttermilk, and I'm like, and even they don't want to do that. I'm like, go, go and give them full. Most of the guys uh, want full full milk, whole milk. I think a couple of them wanted like no fat, and I think Connor was one of them, which surprised me because he has no neck. And the fact that he has no neck kind of like Ryan Newman and all you might as well just have whole fat milk your your whole your life ain't going to end cuz you went and drank like a like a a cup of of full full milk um but we'll see if Connor Daly does win the Indy 500 it might be one of the most interesting victory lanes it might be one of the most interesting parties um I don't know if even Connor Daly will make it out because with all the friends he has between the paddock and the, the 
you know, the social media, it could be pretty hardcore. But there's other people. Um, Marco is one example that if he were to win, it could be pretty hardcore. And I mean, yeah, before we get into the picks, I'm going to go, we're going to go and tease a little more. Like, I didn't even get into my memories. Like, like I remember 92 a little bit in my life. I was very, very young with um, Al Unser Jr. and Scott Goodyear. Um, 93 was the first time I definitely watched, you know, going all the way back all those years, you know, 94 with Al Jr. and the, and the Beast and, uh, Emerson putting in the wall when he would have had his third Indy 500 win. It was a guarantee. Um, 95 was Jack, Vill- Shaq Villeneuve, um, going and winning his Indy 500 and moving on to Formula One when Scott Goodyear got screwed by Bobby Unzer and Usak. Um, that was, I mean, the, there, there's there all these years like there's something that'll come from every single race. Uh, I it's the same way with Spencer. Like it's like an encyclopedia kind of thing. I we could go and sit here and I, we could bore people in terms of that. But you know, if you really want the encyclopedia thing, go and read Spencer's deal. Go and hit me up on 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 Messenger, Twitter. You know. Then, then we could go and have a conversation. We can go and talk about this deal the right way. But um, I agree with Josh's uh, assessment in terms of favorite Indy 500s or favorite because I'm a Ryan Hunter Ray guy. Um, Captain America. Um, I had to get it. I have to, I have to make any reference to Lee Diffie. Um, Going and winning that race over uh, over Elio Castro Dash Neves was was a big deal for his career and just in general. Um, that 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 those that DW12 was a beautiful thing because the Indy 500 kind of needed a boost, and it started with that 11 Indy 500, the last race with the Delara toilets. And, you know, it was a pretty decent race. And then J.R. Hildebrand on fuel mileage was going to win and tries to pass Jim Jimble Kimball and puts it in the wall. And that was like, that's unbelievable, dramatic. And then they brought that new car out and it really helped the racing. And the it was really good. You had Dario, who would have broken the record, honestly, in my humble opinion, uh, if he had been able to make it out of you know that wreck at houston you know tony canon finally gets his indy 500 you have ryan hunter ray and then you go from there and there was some good racing then the new car has kind of made it a lot more difficult but i think this year's setup is a possibility with the lack of practice and all, you know, Firestone's going to make a strong tire, uh, generally. So it's not going to be an issue with tires per se. I think it's going to be more an issue of management and trying to be able to handle the changing conditions, uh, during this race. And I think that gets into the picks, and 
I'm going to throw to you, Josh. You are, um, just to be completely clear here, if there's one person that's good at really making picks here on the GSP um, and in general, it's Josh. I mean, it kind of makes sense based on what he does um, in real life, but also he's been able to hit on winners on a pretty high consistency. And um, so take these picks that he gives you and, you know, give them consideration. Don't, it's not a, it's not a thing to say, Oh yeah, definitely bet him, but you should give him consideration because he's been pretty good so far this year uh, since we started this uh, GSP. So for you, Josh, all right. I want, a winner of the Indianapolis 500. I want the rookie of the year for the Indianapolis 500. And I want one driver that is going to be, you know, I don't know, whatever, just a wild card and why that's going to be a wild card. Yeah. I'm going to actually make the kind of the easy pick here. And I'm, I'm going to go with Marco for the race winner. I think, I really think it's, this is his year. Um, you know, he's been fast this whole week or, well, the two weeks, I guess, uh, spanning last week and, you know, even this week. And I, I, I really think, you know, that it, this is his time. Um, and I think given the, the heat is going to make passing really tough and, uh, the arrow screen, um, is going to take away some downforce in the corner and, it's going to make it even more tougher to pass than it already will be. I think he's going to benefit uh, from clean air a lot as long as he gets a good start and his pit crew uh, gives him good stops and he's you know able to maintain the gap um, throughout the run. I think it, it, this is his race. Uh, and as far as the rookie of the year, I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with Oliver Askew. I think he's got a good car as well. I mean, you could easily swap him out with Paddle Word, but I'm going to go with Askew just because I, I think maybe he's a, a little bit better of a driver, I think. Um, I think, you know, based on what I've seen from him on ovals, I think he um, can definitely stay in contention and, and uh, you know, fight for uh, the battle for the Rookie of the Year. And they, they have a, a very good program over at uh, Spam McLaren. Um, so I, I think that's a good pick, and I think the wild card for me is going to be um, James Hinchcliffe, and I think you know this is uh, his last race uh, this year, as far as we know. But I think uh, he's got a good car um, from Andretti, and uh, I'm expecting a lot from him going into uh, this uh, Indy 500, and I, I think you're definitely going to see him um, make make some moves throughout the race. And, you know, in general, the, you know, Honda's been really good, and I think he's going to benefit from that. So I think Marco, uh, Askew, and then somebody to watch for is Hinchcliffe. All right. So, yeah. So we'll take Marco and Pato and and the and Hinch, who, um, just for reference for me, because of multiple reasons, we got – uh, we have the beautiful Sharna Burgess, who he danced with and dancing with the stars, is returning to be a pro. 
Um, I know that uh, this is a racing show and a sports show, but hey, you know, when you put sports and you put beautiful ladies together, it, it kind of is good. And those are two things that kind of run my life. Um, with that, Spencer, um, it's quite a segue to you. Uh, you've been watching this, you have your blog, you love this sport, you love IndyCar racing for sure. Um, your passion and your knowledge of it always impresses me. So I throw to you, who do you look for to win this race on Sunday? Who's going to be the rookie of the year? And who's going to be that wild card that, you know, somehow or another is going to make a story or is going to be someone that really steps out of maybe a shadow if they've been under one <laughs> well you know I, I mentioned last week i picked carpenter at the beginning of the year um there's a stubborn side of me that doesn't want to go off of that pick but i think ultimately it's um scott dixon's race to lose really he's just had such a dominant year um bringing michael cannon on been huge um so you know but i think like obviously ed carpenter as i just mentioned would be somebody that would be a popular win you know being from that area um marco would be another popular one and another one good for overall the series and perhaps racing in general to see um key of the year I would probably lean towards Alex Pillow right now because I think he's, you know, had that combination of speed and consistency. His VK, I think, is a little boomer bust for me. We'll have to see um, where he's at on race day because, you know, he's had some good runs and series. He, he's had some issues of his own. Um, then, card, I'm going to stick to the Andretti uh camp as well and go with Zach Veach. I know that the in the team said they kind of had some issues in qualifying and he's starting 17th, but they've raved about his race car and think, you know, for him, this is the time where he can, you know, come into his own and show that, uh, show what he's capable of in his fourth 500 and his third with the Andretti team. So we have Dixon, we have, um, you said Zach Veach there, and then in terms of, you said Alex Pillow. So, okay, <laughs> so so we have, um, all right, so Dixon, Pillow, Zach Veach, you had, you hedged with Ed Carpenter because that was your pick uh, in general. Okay, so we got two different picks. I was... I'll I'll be fully honest. I picked in the I was in a, I'm in a whatever pick'em league, uh, and I picked Dixon uh, because of of you know just in general a lot of what basically what you said, and you know it's crazy to me for Scott Dixon to not have more than one Indy 500 considering how great he is. It's kind of in the same realm as Mario Andretti. The fact that Mario Andretti only won one Indianapolis 500 is crazy. There's people who won two, three. You could start kind of getting into 
semantics. I mean, he got screwed out of 81 because of Penske um, with Bob Unzer and all that because Bob Unzer went and passed because of the stupid USAC rules and the and all that. He should have won. Mario Andretti won the Indy 500. They said it was it was Bob Unzer. Then they gave it to Mario for months, and Roger Penske went and sued and then went to court, and they gave it back to Bob Unzer. When you go and look at Bobby Unzer, there's a possibility you only have won one Indy 500 based on you, you look at how uh, two of them went down. So, and then also 1987. So you you look at those are three definite spots there where I think Mario would have won. And it's similar to like Dixon, even though it hasn't, it's not exactly that he's been up front every single year. Like 06, he was up there. Um, with Dan Weldon, but it didn't come through, you know, 2008. A lot of the years that Dario was there, Dario had uh, Dixon's number. Dar- uh, Dixon's been up front. He's qualified on pole, but hasn't been able to come through. There was a couple of years ago when he almost got, you know, written off by uh, Jay Howard, you know, going and running around like an idiot. Uh, when he qualified on pole in the by camping world car, uh, there you know Scott Dixon hasn't had the luck, and that's the thing. Even when you're one of the greatest ever, you need to have luck. It, it's it's a reason why you look at those three men that have four wins in in AJ Foyt, Nal Unser, and Rick Mears. The amount of luck, the amount of good things that had to happen for them to win those races. Um, Rick Mears, even after 91, you look at what happened in his last year, the amount of bad luck he had, um, you know, Al Unser, he wins 87 in part because of Danny on getting hurt and he goes and drives a show car and, and is in a position to win after Roberto Guerrero couldn't even get his car in gear. I mean, that's the thing you look at it. There are people that have won this race. You wonder how the hell did they win it? And there are people that never won this race, like Michael Andretti or Nigel Mansell, who should have won the race in 93, but he didn't understand the stupid um, restart rules. You know, there are people that you wonder how they never won the race, and there are people that have won the race, like Eddie Cheever, um, that that you just think like, what the heck? Um, and so it's, it's the thing where it's one race. You could put it all together. You could have the greatest day of your life and come through. It's the same way as the five Daytona 500. You could pull it out of your ass and, and, and have the, the day of your life and, and, be and send yourself an immortality you know it's trevor bain owns a coffee shop with his wife but the fact is everybody knows him because he won the daytona 500 and his second cup star for the wood brothers you you got people who win the indy 500 harry lunatic never won an indy car race and then his first IndyCar win was a 1990 Indy 500 and the fastest Indy 500 run until 2013 with Tony Kanaan. And then Harry Lunatic became this thing, which is now he's still a thing all these decades, 30 years later, 
because of that one day and in that one month at Indianapolis set his entire life. That's what the Indy 500 means. And it's something to say, see, something to say and, and believe. And for me, I think it sticks in two personally. Do I, I have my two favorite drivers and Graham Rehall and Ryan Hunter Ray. If Graham Ray Hall wins the symmetry with his father winning the Indianapolis 500, um, you know, his beautiful wife, Courtney Force, pregnant with their first child, all these different things that would be amazing for Graham Ray Hall, who is as aggressive as they come when he has a car, he has to, to make it happen. He's able to do things with a race car that are that very few people are willing to do. Um, he's only really been in a position to run well at Indianapolis, I think maybe twice in his career. And both of those times he's been able to make something of the of that finish. Last year he was up front late, got in a wreck with Sebastian Bourdais. Um, the Ray Hall cars have been uh, pretty decent this whole uh, week or so. Um, so that that would be the thing. That's who who I look at. I say it's Dixon. In terms of rookie of the year, I picked Alex. I pick Alex below because I mean I'm a Paddle Award mark, but there's just something about Pat, uh, Alex below and the way he runs this racetrack and the way he is that if he can make 500 miles he's going to be the the rookie of the year because he's 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 nuts he's unbelievable he's somebody that i look at and if honda because they're supporting him with team go they should be looking at alex polo to be running for alpha tori in formula 1 or whatever you know like He's that good. He has the potential to be be there, and I and I honestly believe that Alex Plo, he's between two places right now. Whether he should be in Formula One or IndyCar, uh, I think he should be in Formula One. You know, he proved himself in Super Formula, but you know he wasn't able to go anywhere. Uh, if he runs well in Indy, who knows what can happen? Maybe he can have kind of a Jacques Villeneuve kind of career if that happens. Um, the wild card, the wild card is, is, is a good one. That is a good one. And I, I make that question and even I don't have an answer. And, and fundamentally, I would like to say Fernando Alonso, but I don't believe that. I, I think the, the wild card is going to be Tony Kanaan. Because the fact is, I think he's going to be back next year, at least running the Indianapolis 500. I I don't know how many races he's going to run next year. It's The more things go, I think he's going to still run some races. Um, where he's going to run them, I don't know. But I think Tony Kanaan is, is the wild card here. Not because of some amazing pace or doing whatever. It's Tony Kanaan. He, he, there's something about the AJ Foyt number 14 and a guy who's from the moment he showed up in Indianapolis has always been able to get an extra gear. 
And now he knows he's at the end of the line. And in a time and a year where where you're basically having to pull it out of your you-know-what and you're having to push and break boundaries that we've never seen before, it's an opportunity for this A.J. Foyt team and for Tony Kanaan to go and and have a signature moment before he goes and drives SRX for um, Tony and Ray um, next year. I, I think I Kanaan, think he seemed very confident about his car for a race day. Uh, last week during qualifying he knew he didn't have a qualifying car but he was very confident about his race car and you give a guy who has no fear a guy who already is is really um capable um as an overtaker and as a relatively fearless character and now he knows he's got house money and you got AJ Foyt wanting to go and win this race. Um, I think Tony Kanaan's going to be the entertainment um, and honorable mention to his uh, friend, his BFF, who definitely has Ron Popeil's spray hair and uh, sponsorship from Just for Men and, and Elio Castro Dash Neves. I think if he has anything, he'll be able to come up from the 10th row and do something. Uh, for sure. With that, I think that will be the um, end of our preview for the Indianapolis 500. Uh, before we go, we will be back next week uh, to be determined day and time. Uh, we'll we will review the Indianapolis 500 and everything that happened and kind of uh, lead into the rest of the IndyCar season. Uh, because it's its own little entity, a double points race with the Indianapolis 500. So we'll be able to discuss points relative to where they were and what they have to deal with with the rest of the year with another Indy, another race at Indy, the possibility of Mid-Ohio actually happening. You know, there there's a few things that will come up there, here, and we'll talk about it all on the GSP. Um Spencer, you're our guest. Uh, I'm going to go and um, ask you first to go and uh, talk about your blog, talk about stories you've had this week and what you have coming up uh, in the next week before we go on again. Thank you. Um, yeah, like I said, it's IndyCar1909.com. In addition to some of the regular race recaps and practice coverage and things like that um did a kind of modified version of a series i started on open wheels and called it rewind uh this week i profiled the 1985 indy 500 uh obviously with danny sullivan spinning spin win. win yeah um and then you know another series spinoff of something i used to do on open wheels and called history makers and i profiled lou moore who was the most successful car owner in race history for many years he's dominant with uh ori rose uh 
some races with Floyd Roberts. Yeah. Five. And he was, you know, one for many years. And it's still, he's still tied with Chip Ganassi and Michael Andretti for yeah. second all time. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> which which show, shows you um, how dominant Penske's been. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those are some stories. We'll have things like that and, you know, some more race coverage uh, coming down pipe pretty soon. So, everybody, when you get a chance, go online to IndyCar1909.com. And if you want to get in touch with me on Twitter, it's at SpencerNeff11. So, yeah, looking forward to finally getting the Indianapolis 500 in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for coming on again, man. And uh, IndyCar 1909, I mean, some of those uh, topics or things that you're talking about in terms of throwbacks and, uh, you know, recapping old races and talking about old races and going and bringing up what we're doing here in the current, I think is an awesome way to to go and it's an interesting take and it's it's a it's an angle that not everybody's willing to do most everyone wants to go and give you the breaking news so to speak and it's unique and it's more my speed too so um i guess i mean i have to talk to you after but i think it's definitely something indycar1909.com it's on wordpress uh, give Spencer um, a follow over there and read his stuff. It's always top-notch, real high quality, and, and also a ton of passion for for the sport in general. Um, thank you again, man, and uh, definitely uh, next week we're going to have a lot to talk about here, not only the Indianapolis 500, but um the rest of the season so we got we got some work to do in terms of uh what we're gonna see for sure right yeah definitely um obviously we got gateway next week uh tentatively it sounded like mid ohio's the second weekend in september um we'll have to see if that goes through the um october second and third IndyCar double IMS road course double header, excuse me. And then just wrapping things up at St. Pete on October 25th. Again, of course, with everything going on, it's all tentative. Um, but hopefully we can get the rest of the season in. Yeah. Hopefully we're going to have, yeah, outside of gateway, which, you know, I, you know, Carlos friend or Carlos and he's like, or, or Carlos Francois and all that or whoever, the people at, at Gateway, they, um, they do a good job. Um, hopefully they do a better job than what they did at Knoxville, um, with, uh, the Capitani, uh, classic, there and people getting covid like crazy um curtis francois there you go that's why i said carl curtis francois sorry i mean you don't know me anyways you don't know me from joe but it doesn't matter um 
he's one of the best promoters in in motorsport anyway or owners and all unlike eddie goosage um curtis francois actually cares about fans um unlike eddie goosage uh he actually curtis actually goes and cares about um providing a good product at the racetrack which is why they should have a cup date and Texas should lose one. It's the same way why IndyCar is going to have a couple of races there next week, which is going to be cool uh, because it's a challenging racetrack. It asks a lot of the the drivers, asks, asks a lot of the teams, but we have to get through Indianapolis first. Um, I'll go to you, Josh. Um, uh, what do you have uh, going out here as we lead into the Indianapolis 500 and also thinking about next week with uh, the GSP uh, times two going over other series. They'll be going on NASCAR and all that, you know, Dover going on. We had a truck race earlier this evening. Zane Smith uh, took, took the win there in the truck series race, but um, we'll talk about that. Talk about, uh, all the events on Saturday and Sunday there and uh, more. Uh, what do you have uh, going out? Yeah, as always, you know, you can follow me on Twitter at JP Huffine. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's the same handle, JP Huffine. Uh, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm excited for this weekend at the Indy 500. Um, looking forward to after, you know, um, not having it in May as we normally have it, and it's finally here, and super excited for the race. And you know, also with all the other racing going around this weekend as well, it's um, definitely um, you know there's not going to be a, a moment where there isn't racing. So at least uh, you know there will be a lot a lot of stuff to watch. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back on uh, next week and and discussing the end of. The, uh, this race and and all the other races that we have uh, uh, this weekend in, in Dover and, and all that. So um, really excited for this weekend. Yeah, and also watch uh, Josh. He's he's racing with uh, famous people on uh, iRacing and other Sims. He, he raced with a certain uh, June bug uh, yesterday night. Uh, I guess we should go and throw to it because it'll be a little bit later. Yeah, we okay. Go and throw it. So, uh, how did that whole deal go? With uh, you told me, but tell us how it went with uh, racing with old Junebug, the NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Earnhardt Jr. on uh, I racing last night in the '87 Cup cars. Uh, yeah, and I'm I wasn't I wasn't trying to. I mean, I wanted to bring that up, but I wasn't sure if I should because you know we're trying to keep this in any 500 only. But you know. Touch but you're that. the sim yeah. rate you're yeah. the resident sim guy because tanner's now an indycar worker so we can't go to him and i don't know yeah. what's going on with that but we'll we'll talk about it later but yeah talk about your deal yeah yeah i mean i mean last night i was you know just playing on or you know racing on i racing and i just hopped on to the 87 uh because they have the class for the 87 cup cars and they're racing at um the old pocono the uh prior to the repave and i hopped on that and just started running laps and saw um as i was, I was just on the practice session before the actual race session and and saw dale winner jr popped on said he was connected i was like oh this is 
Dale Jr. is here. This this can't be real, is and and um, certain enough, it actually was. And you know, he ended up, I guess, somehow through however they select the drivers for each uh, split uh, that's going to be in on on that uh, race race time. Uh, they they put me in, in in the same class as him somehow i don't know i don't know how but but they did and and yeah it was him because i mean he like somebody else on there started talking to him and it was like hey i didn't like they're trying to be not be that guy but they were saying like hey thanks um like glad to be on there with you and you know like um you helped me really like pocono because he was good at pocono and you know he talked on there and said yeah um you know glad to be on here and and um hope everybody has a good race and all that and and um he started in the back actually he didn't put a qualifying time up because he said he didn't want to ruin anybody's race because he doesn't race on the 87 car on i racing that all often or whatnot so he started on the back and i qualified um can't remember where i qualified i think it was like top 10 or something like that but um we had a couple of yellows early, and then Junior passed me coming out of the tunnel turn, and that was all I saw of him. And I kind of <laughs> remained towards the end of uh, uh, the back half of the top ten. And then we got one yellow, and then um, everybody, like, it looked like everybody was going to take tires, and, like, everybody's diving for uh, the pits. And then at the last moment, everybody, like, jumped back out onto the onto the um racetrack and which i've never seen that before in real life or in, in sim racing where the entire field faked each other <laughs> but yeah yeah it was that was interesting and then um he, he and some other guy battling it out for um the lead i think in um um i remained like 10th or 9th or 10th or whatever and then coming to like two to go i think uh there's like a couple guys in front of me that started to get, get to racing each other, and I was trying to like keep pace so I could maybe like steal a couple spots at the end. Uh, but then, then I got loose going to the tunnel turn, and since the 87 Cup cars, you know, you do shifting at Pocono, and I was able to. I was trying to shift into third gear, and I think I got a little wheel hop, and I got loose, and then try to counter steer, and then when I was coming back to you know correct i overcorrected and then the car just shot to the right and went straight into the wall and tunnel turn dave marcus yeah dave. yeah basically and and that was the end of my race and then you know they don't have green white checker for that series or anything like that so um pretty much ended the race and and i i heard dale and the other guys say that you know they're they're battling and the, the other kid was like saying he was like i guess like he almost wrecked dale and he was saying he was sorry and everything dale's like yeah no it's all good and and it's like saying like that was like really my only shot to to get you and then somebody else passed them and ended up winning the race but it was good stuff um hopefully i can get on there with him again um at some point i mean i have to improve my rating i don't i i just i don't know how that happened but um where i was able to get on the same race as him but um it was a good opportunity it's like it's a, definitely a once in a lifetime thing and and even even if it's just a video game, really. Yeah, well, Dale Earnhardt Jr. made one IndyCar start during the sim racing deal and finished third at Michigan running fuel mileage. And he talked about how much of a challenge it was running against a lot of the same characters that we're going to be seeing, a vast majority of the guys that we're going to be seeing on Sunday in this Indianapolis 500 and Josh also 
working towards uh, doing the IndyCar uh, thing on the sim. Uh, we'll see what happens with uh, the Open Wheels 500 if that's still going on. But um, yeah, with that, uh, for Spencer, for Josh, I'm Phil. We're going to go and enjoy this weekend the amount of racing we're going to have going on and uh, lots of different series. And we're going to go over it all here on the Grip Strip podcast with uh, just our regular show and uh, follow us on uh, on Podbean. Uh, we'll follow us on uh, philipgmatthew.com. You can find the show there on Unfiltered. Uh, it's Unfiltered grip slash Grip Strip Podcast now, uh, philipgmatthew.com. I'm at philipgmatthew on Twitter. Uh, Facebook I use sort of to go and promote. Uh, the show, that's basically it. Um, IndyCar1909.com for Spencer, JP Huffine on Twitter and Insta. Uh, follow us all. Give us a like. Give us a listen. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to hear in future episodes. We're all ways open to uh, not only constructive criticism, but also trying to figure out ways to get new people um, on and new ideas up there because racing is what it is for us. And it's a passion. It's a passion project. Uh, It's something that I love and it's something that's driven my whole life. So for everyone, you hope you have a good uh, day, evening, night, whenever you're listening to this. Be safe, uh, wear, wear a mask, uh, go in uh, proper sanitization, social distancing, take care of not only yourself, but your uh, fellow uh, person of Earth. Uh, take care, God bless, and uh, we will see you next week.